it's one thing for us to sit in, you know, our comfy homes and living our comfortable lifestyles and, and walking around um, with very sincere hearts, but spouting off, you know, yes, you know, this life with God, it's worth it. Absolutely. God is enough. It's another thing when my dad is sitting across the, the table or sitting in the room with a person and, and, and they have had, they've just had to feed him or, you know, help him get a drink or, or really help him with anything, move his hand around, move his head around. And in that place, he says, God is enough. He says, God is enough. Wow. Today, it's episode 90 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today I'm chatting with real life friend, prayer mentor, a gal who's guiding me in Holy Spirit living, Amanda Wilson. She's sharing her faith journey, how a diagnosis her dad received of ALS started her down a path of knowing God in a new way, and how watching her father as his body has um, kind of stopped working in the way we expect it to work, he has become closer to God in a new and exciting way, and just shows us that we can experience joy outside of our circumstances. I know you're going to love everything Amanda has to say. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Amanda, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Thank you, Heather. It's good to be here. Yeah, talk to each other, right? Right, exactly. Um, Amanda, I'm so excited to get to share you with these people who listen every week faithfully because you're like key to where God's taking me right now. I don't know if you know that. But I did not know that. You are. So now you know. Now you know. And um before we get into a great conversation, can you introduce everyone to your family so they know more about you a little bit? Absolutely. Um, my husband and I have been married for coming up on 16 years now at the beginning of January. Nice. And um, we, his name is Eric. Mm-hmm. And then we have three girls. My oldest, Ainsley, um, just turned uh, 13 last weekend. Awesome. And and then we have um, twin girls, Bryn and Emma, who um, are coming up on their 11th birthday. Wowzas. Teens. You've entered teendom. Yes. <laughs> and, you, and you homeschool them, right? Uh, yes. This We are starting now our third year um, of homeschool. Um, uh an adventure that I will tell you, I, I never thought that I would be on. You know, there's um, a lot of people, when you they say they homeschooled, they'd be like, I never thought I'd do this. And right. Then, and, yeah. But um, but I, I really mean it. Yeah. Like, I, I really never thought. And I think probably most people who knew me would also agree that they never thought <laughs> that I would go down that road. So, um what? It's a true, it's a true testament of God's ability to change somebody's heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll get into your story a little bit, but, um, you know, and we're also going to talk a little bit about 
not just your immediate family, your husband and your kids, but your parents, your dad, and um, some exciting stuff coming from his life. Uh, We'll talk about that near the end. But I just wanted you to tell a little bit of your testimony. Like, how did you get to where you are now? Like, what... Like, what was your growing up like and um, your your Christian journey? Okay, well, I grew, yes, I grew up um, in a Christian home with um, believing parents. And I became a, a believer at a young age. Um, my mom led me through that process uh, after a, a VBS from church. Yeah. And for me, it, it became a a way of life that was based upon, um, right and wrong and trying to do the things that I was supposed to do in all honesty to make God happy. Yeah. That, that became the goal. Yeah. And so, you know, I know there was a transition at, as we have all heard of a child going in from their parents' belief and then it becoming their own. Um, and for me, that really looked like just continuing to try and follow the rules. I was a rule follower through and through um, and felt like it was my role in my family to make sure everyone was happy, to be the people pleaser. And I think I really... Uh, took, took that into my relationship with God as well Mm. in that trying to please him. Mm. Yeah. And it was less about my heart and what was going on there. And it was more external about what I did. So when did you recognize that that's what you were doing? What was the turning point for you? You know, it was really after the fact when I looked back, um, going through some really difficult times that I was like, okay, something is, something is not working here. Mm. And that's really until God kind of explodes out of his box and the little box that you're trying to put him in, which when you're trying to please him, that's what you have to do. You have to, cause you're trying to control. Right. Right. The goal becomes, okay, if I can make him happy then I can earn this gift that he has given and um, somehow earn grace that we've, though in its very definition, we know that, that you can't earn grace, but that still becomes what you're trying to do. And so you've really moved yourself to uh, a control. And, and so as soon as you do that, you've put God in a box. Mm. And I went through a a difficult time in college and um, my husband and I, um, Eric, got married when I was in nursing school. And it's when I found out that my father had a terminal illness and nothing could be done. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I turned my eyes to God and I was like, how can this be happening. Yeah. How can he's done everything that you've asked him to do? I haven't, I've never done this. I've never done that. I've never done this. Mm. And how can these horrible things be happening? 
And at that point in my life, I was, I had never, or I had not realized that I had ever questioned God. Mm. And I thought he would be very upset with me if I was ever angry. Mm. And I, I would, I remember that I would even be uncomfortable reading the Psalms where David and the other authors of the Psalm would question, um, you know, where are you Lord? And, and how have you abandoned me? And I would almost cringe like afraid lightning was going to strike that, that they would, maybe they misquoted him. Right. Exactly. Surely he didn't say this. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's when it became so beautiful when, I started, in all honesty, I think it probably looked like one wall-eyed two-year-old temper tantrum. Mm. And I was kicking and I was screaming and with my eyes tightly shut because I was terrified that if I looked around, that God would have left because surely he would not stay around when I was questioning him, when I was beating my fist Mm. against him. You it's know, an exchange when I was, system. It's an exchange system. If you're good, right. good things will happen. If you're bad, he will leave. If in 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 it, your system got blown when your dad, who's done all this, these things that are right, gets a terminal disease. It, it was like God broke the rules. Exactly. Yeah. And and so when, but instead of doing what he thought, I was certain that he would do, and that was he would abandon me, smite it, you. Or something. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, I, I visualize it like, you know, I've got my eyes tightly shut and I start kind of just peeking open. And that's when I realized that all that time mm. he wasn't standing there with his arms crossed, looking down at me like, oh, you terrible, terrible child. He had me in the palm of his hand. Mm. And that's when he kind of exploded out of his box. And I was like, oh my goodness, I think I've had this really, really wrong. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think, and, I think a lot of people listening can relate to, especially if they grew up in a Christian home and you're trying to rebuild your theology from a um, almost like a conditioned response kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. be good, do good, happen. Be good and good will happen. You know, there's almost like a circle of blessing, like that's preached from the pulpit of some churches. Right, right. Th- th- this definitely. theology, yeah, this theology. And I love your imagery that you're saying you pictured, you thought he would be, you know, shaking his finger and crossing his arms and over you. And instead, he's holding you in his hand. I mean, power. That's powerful. It's powerful. Right, right. And so that I began a, a, a journey of coming to, to learn that he, he didn't just love a future version of me, Mm. but he loved me right now. Wow. Which was hard for me to get a grasp on. And so probably over the next, um, probably eight years from that time, uh, he took me down a, a journey of uh, learning a great deal about him um, from a standpoint of at that point, I knew a lot of facts about him. Mm. I had a lot of knowledge about him, but I didn't really know him 
and who he was. Mm. I just knew a lot of facts about him. Yeah. And so yeah. we began to learn and, and discover who he is. And I remember a pivotal um, time that I was really struggling when the girls were little bitty um, at a, a, a difficult time as a mom yeah. with little ones. And I wanted desperately to be a mom that I thought that they deserved. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt very lacking in that department. Mm. And so I remember running one morning and I was coming to the top of a hill and the sun was just coming up and I felt like he laid on my heart and his words. And he said, I made that just for you. Mm. And I remember stopping in my tracks kind of like, what? He said, I made that just for you. And he said, you have a very wrong view of me. And which, you know, coming from a person who, what have I've read scripture? Surely, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have it wrong. I have, I have, I have chunks memorized. I've got chunks right. memorized. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and and I was so desperately trying to do it right. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And he goes, really and truly, Amanda, it's because you have a wrong view of yourself. And until you have an accurate view of yourself, you cannot know and have an accurate view of me. And so that also began a journey of learning who I am and who created it. He created me to be. So not just, you know, you went from knowing about him to knowing him, but then really knowing your identity in him. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, so keep us, keep us going. So someone, if someone's jiving, if they found, if they can identify themselves with any part of your story up to this point, what, what took you to the next level to figure out your identity in him? Um, well, luckily some, several tools, um, came my way. Um, and I, about that time, I was given the book um, "Captivating" by John and Stacy Eldridge. Oh yeah, oh that's and a great. That is, I had forgotten about that book. That is a great book. Yes, and so shortly after that experience with with God, I, I began uh, looking at that, and um, and then also working through some celebrate recovery mm-hmm. uh, material. It's and a pro- that's a, is it a program just? like in Dallas area or I know there's no. other churches. Okay. It is. It's, it's nationwide. And is it called celebrate recovery everywhere? Yes. Okay. And it's like a 12 step program for, I mean, anybody, honestly, all of us really. It is. It yeah. is. It is honestly for, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything, there, there anything. are addicts and there's, you know, right. Yes. It's anyone who is struggling which I think classifies everyone, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, we, we all fall short. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, it's a program where you really can learn about yourself and it, it has a way of, of kind of walking you through that. Mm-hmm. And 
you, you learn, um, and it really focuses in on more than, than just, okay, the life is happening and I'm responding to it, but about learning about yourself and why you're responding to things in the way that you are responding. Like Uh, why, why do you get an anger response? Why do you have a need to comfort yourself in that way? Why that kind of thing? Right, exactly. And for me that through that people pleasing Mm. of what, what is going on here that you think that you can make every person in your life and every person that you meet, every person you drive around in all the cars around you, that (laughs) you can make them happy and, you know, shedding some light on the insanity of that thinking. And, um, you know, because that's, that's quite a burden to live with. And when we live with, with burdens like that, we, we start making choices of, of how to numb that pain or escape that pain or things like that, because it's, it's not a sustainable way of life. Or if we don't get that approval and that, that you haven't pleased them, there's a, a mindset of rejection and then, a, and then it feeds the striving, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, buddy. It's a vicious cycle. <laughs> I hear that guy. Sorry. Yes. Taking care of that. No worries. No worries. It's real. This is a real thing. A real conversation. Real people with real dogs. With real dogs. Yes. My senile 14-year-old. Oh, I'm not really a dog person. I do that for all the dog people. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> Um, to please them, to please them. No, I totally get that. And I, I mean, we could probably have a whole episode on how do you conquer people pleasing, you know, but probably the core root of it is probably a core root for a lot of people and other things that come out of that. Right. Absolutely. And the core, core root there, uh, is typically shame. Mm. Um, and believing that, believing a lie about who you are. It all goes back to identity. Yeah. It's all uh, attacks on identity. Usually addictions are um, a a whole slew of things uh, because that's great. Satan's attack. He wants to attack our identity and feed us lies about who we are and who we were created to be. Mm. Even the who we were created to be. Because we're not done yet. Because we're not done yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. And not to be discouraged. Well, this is how I am. Always going to, always going to struggle with this. Mm -hmm. Maybe, Mm -hmm. but maybe you can find, you can walk into that victory a little bit. If you, I think even the step of admitting that you would need to go to a program to work on a specific area takes, that's a humility step, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because you want you walk in and it's really usually the a struggle or a pain that that gets you into the front door that, that you get to the end of yourself. Yeah. And you're like, OK, I've tried everything that I know how to do mm-hmm. and I need new tools. Yeah. I need some help. And so that's what gets you into the door. And then it's what God is able to do as you open up your hands and allow them to work in your life that keeps you coming back. You start seeing change. 
Exactly. And there's a lot of accountability there, right? Most definitely. And a, and a lot of, it's, it, it becomes a safe place. Mm. And that is, that was a very new concept to me um, of being safe and learning. I, I learned how unsafe I was. Wow. As a person. That's a and good because thinking that I could justify everything, um, if I, I felt like the end goal was whatever I thought it needed to be. And if I'm trying to get something out of a, a relationship and constantly making it about me, mm. then that makes me a very unsafe person. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That takes some awareness. That takes some awareness for sure. Okay. So you go to this, you go to celebrate recovery then there's steps and you have to work your way through the steps. And sometimes people don't get all the way through, right? Or not. Am I wrong on this? You can totally correct me. No, I think there, do you mean, do a lot of people like they don't like they maybe away and yeah. do not yeah. finish? Oh, I think so. Most definitely. Especially yeah. when you get to step four where it's a lot of self-reflecting and, and really digging in um, to hurts in your past and not because you look at not only what has occurred to you uh, from other people, but also your role in it and things like that. And once you get to that point, I mean, it, it can get a little bit dicey, a yeah. little bit, a little bit sticky. And it's, you know, it's something I've worked through the steps multiple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I've told you before that I, learn things, um, usually the, the hard way and I'm a slow learner. And mm. so I went in thinking, okay, I'm going to do this once and then I'm going to be good to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I can check this off my list <laughs> and yeah, turns out it doesn't really work that way. It's something you need to kind of, you know, God works this in this way. A lot of times we're onions and he keeps peeling back the layers Mm. and he does it. He does it in his kindness. It's, it's out of his kindness that he does that. Um, so we We kind of, we couldn't stand it if we saw like the full (laughs) yuck that was in us, we would like crumble and be so discouraged. So there's like, yeah, there is like a slow revealing to ourselves. Most definitely. Like if we could, I don't really want to go back to my uh, 20 year old self. I'm going to my 20 year high school reunion. That makes you think, what was I like then? What were my insecurities then? Ugh. what, what relationships did I miss out on because of this struggle? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a slow revealing, um, you keep, you keep circling back, going through the process and, and ultimately the process is seeing your true identity in Christ and who he created you to be. And I know, I don't know at what point your path and my path crossed. How long had you been going to celebrate recovery when I started coming to the Wednesday night group? Oh, you know, recovery and the concept of recovery from either CR or, um, Al-Anon, or I was also, um, was given the opportunity to, work through a Bible study that a woman at our church wrote who, who had worked through CR celebrate recovery many, many times. Um, and I 
was able to be a part of that. So it it had been a part of my life for quite a few years. Okay. And what's Al? You said Al. So what was that word you said? Al- Al-Anon. What's it that? is for family. Uh, it's for family of people with addictions. Mm. And so a lot of times if uh, a addict or anyone is going to AA, yeah. then their family members would go to Al-Anon. And okay. it's a huge, it's a huge supporter for them. And then who wrote the book, the study you went through? Lynn Hoffman. Okay. Is it available to anybody or just? It, it is. You can actually just Google it and order it and online. What's it's called? Do you remember? Step, steps into God's grace. Okay. So that's something someone can do if they just want to dip a toe in maybe. Absolutely. And it's especially a great thing to do with, uh, with others in a, in a group. And did you get connected with like our little prayer group of people when you started homeschooling? Is that when that? Well, the people involved, it, it did kind of start happening around that same time frame. Uh, And as I got to know, um, them and they began to ask questions, um, from, of me about some learning about spiritual warfare, learning about the, the active power of the Holy Spirit. And that had been something that I had have a growing experience with. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a good way <laughs> I know that's the best, best way to explain it. But um, through my father's um, illness, he had been prayed for by uh, a pastor in Africa who has a, a, a gift of healing. And mm. so it began he, through him. I was able to learn about uh, the different gifts of the Holy Spirit and come to come to believe that and have it be a huge part of my life as well. So your dad went to Africa? He did, but this pa- it began with this pastor he would come to the US. And tell everybody what is the terminal disease that your dad has? He has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he there's some, you know, some unique statistics about him, right? I mean, he's spoken at our church. Yes, he has had um this disease for 15 years and when he was diagnosed and actually the answer is still the same to this day, 15 years later, but when he was diagnosed, um, the life expectancy is two to five years. Yeah. And, and he, the fact that he can still speak. Correct. Um, he, he is able to still speak and to still smile. And I believe that that the, the small piece in particular, I think, is a, an absolute miracle um, from our father, Heavenly Father, because my my dad is known to a lot of people by his smile. He just has this really wonderful smile. And I think it's been such a blessing that, that God has uh, continued to allow him to have that smile. Well, I knew him before you. 
not like he didn't know who I was, but I've seen him at church. And yes, I concur, like his joy in the midst of um, not being able to move anything from, is it from his neck down? Right. No, from, well, from the top of his head to the tips of his toes, he's completely paralyzed. But can speak. Um, So he doesn't have head control. That is Uh, amazing that he can speak. Yes. So the fact that he can speak and the fact that he can smile is, is truly a gift from God. And the big news about your dad is that, um, this couple, they're awesome. They have a documentary company called photo, photoanthropy. Is that how I, did I say it right? Yes. Photolanthropy. Photolanthropy. Yes. Yeah. And they done- spelled, it's spelled F O T O lanthropy. It's not P H. Yeah. So the other, the other sound, the of, other, yes. right. They decided to do a full length feature of your dad's story. Correct. And it's coming out. It is. October 22nd, we are having a red carpet premiere. Very cool. Um, for that. And it sold out within like 20 minutes or something ridiculous. It did. It did. There were, they're opening more theaters and now we're trying to, or they're making the decision whether to have it um, other nights and things like that because there's been such a an amazing response. So awesome because your dad has said it. I've heard him. And in this movie, he says it, that if he had a choice between um, being able to hold your hand again, being able to walk, being able to move his body, but he would lose the intimacy with God that he's gained, he would choose the intimacy with God over moving his body and being rid of this disease. Absolutely. Unbelievable. And what is so neat about that is that it's true. Yeah. It's not just a line no. or, a movie or to say, Oh, that sounds really good. But what really happens behind closed doors mm. and what I know to be true and what we all who are his family and people close to him, they know it's, it's true. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. So tell can you tell us one of his stories? Cause I know he's had moments with God. Um, yes. Personal encounters. Um, yes. Can you tell us one of those? Uh, I can. Um, he actually, this is one that I just found out about. Um, I wasn't aware of all the details of it. I had heard him say it before because he's spoken after he was diagnosed. He's spoken at different um, at different events. But when he was, uh, he lost his, the ability to move his arms first. And that is what became paralyzed in, in the beginning. Mm. And so he knew that it would, there would come a day when he wouldn't be able to get in bed and pull the sheets up over him. Mm. But you kind of just, you know, he would just kind of wonder when, when that might happen. He knew it was coming, but didn't know the day. Mm. And that day arrived and my mom had already gotten into bed and was asleep. And he got in bed and he went to reach down and grab the covers and he couldn't pull them up. Mm. And he became frustrated and he was like, I'm, I'm just going to get up and pray. Mm. So he, he gets out of bed awkwardly uh, and has a seat in the chair next to him. And 
at that moment, God began in his mind's eye showing him different experiences from his past, different pictures. Mm. And he said, and he heard God say that you, in each of these situations, in each of these circumstances, you've depended on your own strength Mm. and not me. And I am the source of your strength. And you won't be in need when I'm the source of your strength. Mm. And so he gets back in bed and he lays down and he's like, you're, you're my strength. And he begins planning. My dad is a huge planner. Mm -hmm. And so he begins planning what he's going to need to do now going to bed. He'll just need to wear more clothes, you know, Make sure he's got socks on, that sort of thing, because, you know, he's now going to have to sleep without the covers. And about that time, my mom rolls over, picks up the sheets at the end of the bed, reaches up, covers him up, and then lays back down. Oh. He's like, thank you. Thank you, sweetie. I'm, I'm sorry I woke you. So in the morning, he apologizes to her for having woken her up. And, but thanking her for pulling the sheets up. And she said, what are you, what are you talking about? Mm. And he said, well, you woke up and you covered me up. And she goes, no, I didn't. Mm. And so she, he, he felt God saying, I've got you covered. Literally, I've got you covered. And that, that occurred for six years. Wow. My mom without realizing it would cover him up. Mm. Wow. And for a man, he's had to rely on a lot of people, right? Yes. That's hard for men to do, but he's been such a help to so many, right? In that place of humility and it not being about his strength, being in his presence, you are ministered to, right? Absolutely. He, he was, um, he was literally a very strong man. He yeah. was, I saw pictures very, when they did the clip, the trailer, do they have yes. the trailer? I wonder if I could put the trailer in the show notes. What if you, they, do they have oh, it online? I, yes, they do. Okay. And I can send it to you if you want to put yeah. it on there and then and I can put a, it, I can put it on the show notes cause they show <laughs> pictures of your family when y'all were kids. And, um, yeah, he was a big guy. He, he was, he, he was just, he's just naturally a very muscular person. And, and he was a, a prominent businessman and was used to making things happen and getting things done. Mm. And so the, the, you could not pick a quote unquote worse thing for him to have to go through than to become completely physically paralyzed. Mm. Um, and so it has, he has allowed God, in my opinion, he has allowed God to, to take that and he has completely surrendered and he now really gets and understands that he is not his body. Mm. And he can, he can experience the, the separation, I think, in a different way than, 
than many of us can because he's very quick to say, I am not this body. This is just a shell. Mm. Wow. You know, I'm, I'm who God created and I'm, it, he is in me. Mm. And, you know, I am his child. It, it has very little to do with this body. And, wow. and, and he, and he, at following his, his diagnosis, he really, you know, look to God and say, okay, what, what, what is this all about? What, what are you, what are you doing here? And it, instead of him looking to God for, okay, God, will you please be a part of my life that now my dad is, is about, okay, God, I want to be about your will. Mm. Not my, not my own. I don't want you to come along with my will. I want to be a part of your will. Wow. And so that's led him to a, a huge ministry with men in particular. Does he meet with a regular group? Yes. Wow. And he, he led many Bible studies and things like that. And then as his, his illness has progressed, then he would, he would just meet a lot with, one-on-one with people. Huge. Because men are, that's just how they're, they're wired to go, 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 build, build careers, build lives, do for their family. Um, considering to walk in God's ways. Right. Right. We were reading Psalm 119 for small group last night and it was, you know, a lamp unto my feet, right? It's got the God's word guides you each step. Or, you know, each moment is how your dad lives, right? It's. It is very, it is definitely very moment by moment. It is, it is, okay, God, what do you, what do you have for me today? What, you know, God is in his every breath um, Mm. that is a struggle. Mm. Um, And every, every moment of his day is a struggle. Mm. It it really is uh, from a physical standpoint. You're a, it's not that you're a body that has a soul. You're a soul that has a body is what I exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so he, in, in that sense, he is very excited about mm. the, the hope of what will come of being rid of this particular body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the experience, the ability for a man who's successful, who's strong to have that connection with God and that dependency on God, he got to experience this side of heaven. Exactly. And, and I think that that's what's made his words so impactful Mm. is I I liken it to, it's one thing for us to sit in, you know, our comfy homes and living our comfortable lifestyles and, and walking around um, with very sincere hearts, but spouting off, you know, yes, you know, this life with God, it's worth it. Absolutely. God is enough. It's another thing when my dad is sitting across the the table or sitting in the room with a person and, and, and they have had, they've just had to feed him or, you know, help him get a drink or, or really help him with anything, move his hand around, move his head around. Mm. And in that place, he says, God is enough. Wow. It is worth it. Wow. So I think it comes with a little more weight sometimes. Oh. 
Yeah. I mean, it's hard to even fathom. I mean, I don't know if anyone, anyone listening, if you've ever like hurt an arm, I know Amanda one summer at VBS, you hurt your arm or yes. you, you know, I've broken a foot and like the slight impact on your life when one part of your body isn't functioning the way it should. Right. Right. And you and have to rely on others. Yeah. Yes. And the, the reliance and also the, and also the discomfort, yeah. you know, that's yeah. one of the, in my opinion, cruel things about this disease is it deteriorates, um, your muscle, but your nerves are completely intact. So when, you know, and so when your muscles are part of what keeps your shoulders in their socket and they're not there anymore. And so your, your arms are literally hanging out of socket and the pain that, that comes with that, that, that he experiences. I, I really don't think that there's a way for, we can't grasp it to, to grasp the, the amount of discomfort that is, that is there from, you know, that from anyone experiencing this disease, but from the time he wakes up to the time he goes to sleep. So, so in these 15 years from when you found out, when you recognized, wow, I had a totally, totally messed up view of God. This mm-hmm. disease has impacted your dad, but it has completely changed your faith journey. Absolutely. And it can still continues because um, God is continuing to reveal his, you know, third personhood of, of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, I've witnessed it this summer. We did a study of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever you want to read one that I liked that we did was Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Mm-hmm. Um, and just talking about it. And and I remember sitting with y'all and I was just like, okay, I've got the Holy Spirit in me, but I just don't feel like it shows. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in Jesus. I know that because of that belief, the Holy Spirit resides in me, but I don't see the fruit. I feel like it's fake, you know? Mm-hmm. And y'all just sitting with me and talking through that. So if someone's sitting there, what would you tell them if they said that? I'd say in all honesty, sometimes it is. Sometimes we we are are faking it because we're like, okay, I I know that it should be this way. Yeah. I know I know what the fruit of the spirit is supposed to look like. But that it sure doesn't it sure doesn't look that way. Yeah. And um I, I know because that's that's where that's where I set. Mm-hmm. And it it became, um, and really and truly, it wasn't that I'm any more of a of a believer now. There's no more Holy Spirit within me now than there was when I was growing up. It's that now he feels like skin, just skin deep. He's just right there under the surface instead of this, this small little thing way in the depth of me. Yeah. He feels just right under the surface. Yeah. And I will, I will tell you that a lot of that has come because of communicating to him and communicating with him. Yeah. And it began in all honesty from, let me just, 
let me just see if this is real. Mm. And responding to him and like, okay, well, let me, I feel like this is from him. I feel like he is speaking to me. I feel like God is speaking to me and it aligns with the truth of the Holy Spirit. I mean, of, of the Bible, his word. Yeah. Yes. Cause he will not contradict himself. And well, let's just see what happens. And so, it was, yeah, go ahead. Does that make sense? I mean, but it, like if a person like is practically going to, they're going to do this. So they're sitting in their home and they decide, okay, I'm going to start talking to God more. Talking with God more, because not talking at him, right? Right. Like a more engaged process. Is that sitting there with the Bible, praying scripture? Is that sitting there just quietly? What does that look like in your mind? You know, I think to start on that journey, it is sitting in the quiet um, with his word. and. I recommend starting out possibly reading a a piece of scripture and saying, God, what do you want to say to me about this? Mm. And not, not so much the, okay, I'm going to read this and okay. And, and sometimes we try and start outlining it like we would any other piece of literature. And we were like, okay, this is probably really important. This is probably really important, but, reading it and saying, okay, God, what do you want to say to me about this? Yeah. And it's grabbing on to short little, maybe a word that comes into your mind's eye or an impression that comes in. And sometimes it's, it feels like a fleeting thought. And I tell people, reach out, reach out your hand and grab that fleeting thought and bring it back Mm. and and sit and sit with it Mm. and and see what happens. So for you, it was a, okay, let's just see how this goes. Like an experiment, just like an experiment. I'm going to give it some time, try it out, see if God's real in this way for me. Yes. And so how long did that take of you? Were you every day, every morning going to God? Were you, you know, going as a group? Like we pray as a group. Yes. Once a week. Was that part of you learning to see if he was real or had you already kind of established that? I had already established that. Okay. But it really uh, began probably for me of uh, in that prayer experience with, um, the pastor who I referred to earlier and seeing him and how he would respond like he was hearing from the Holy spirit, like right there. Yeah. Like right then. Yeah. And the joy, it was really the joy in him Mm. that, that I saw. And I was like, okay, now something's different here because Mm. I approached life Kind of, especially when things started getting hard, I really approached life like I was white knuckling it to heaven. Yeah. Like, okay, here it is. It's hard. It's tough. We're just going to suck it up and do the best we can and wait for heaven. Right. Yeah. And so it wasn't about 
this relationship and he had this active relationship with God right now Mm. of what I kind of had only pictured about was for heaven. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, huh? What, what is up with that? So it it really was, it really was an experience of, is this because he's (laughs) healing pastor from Africa? Could this, could this be true for me? Yeah. Like this, because for me and how I was raised and stuff, that was, that was straight up crazy. Yeah. No, the charismatic movement in the eighties was the crazy, that was the crazy church. Right. The people, the friends and not, no offense if someone's listening and that's their, their belief. I mean, I just think that as a church community in general, our churches, um, I think there was a really a big fear because there's a swinging some ways. And I know Bruce talks about in the 80s, his mom and dad went to a church one week and they were um, worshiping banners like they were dancing up and down the aisles and there were banners and everyone yes. was praying to the banners. And they were like, well, I think we're done with this. And so yeah. um, I think there's some fear that, oh, maybe this is just for crazy people like. Right. Right. Um, but I think what, what I liked about what you said is that there was a person who showed you yes, because, by being themselves. Right. And I saw that and I was like, what if, what would life be like for me if I had that? Yeah. Because that man is not white knuckling into heaven. Yeah. He is, he's enjoying it mm. right now. Mm. And it was in one of my, um, times of prayer with him and I raised my hands. We were kind of worshiping and this is, this is me. I'm I'm coming from a a place where, you know, when new, uh, worship music was new versus hymnals, you know, and people, you know, I could maybe if I, if it was a really good song that I liked. I could maybe get my hand up to shoulder height, you know, <laughs> and that's like at the waist, kind of like at the waist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Palms and, up, palms up. Exactly. At the waist. Yeah, exactly. And then if someone looked at me in that direction, you know, I'd have to put my hand down. So that, so that is where I'm coming from here in right. this, at right. that moment. And so at this point, he asked me to raise my hands. And so I raised my hands up and and then we continued praying and things. And after about, um, uh, I, I stayed that way for 45 minutes. Wow. And my arms were not tired. Wow. And, you know, I had, how I was raised is all of the, the stories of the Bible are, are absolutely infallible and are true, but that was then. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit does not work that way n- now. That's mm-hmm. how I was raised. And so this was my first experience of, huh, maybe he's the same Holy Spirit now <laughs> that he was then. And, yeah. um, and so so I really did, like you said, I went home and I was like, okay, I got to see the, I, I got to try this out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when, um, you know, and it was, it's, it's been a long journey. Um, and it's, it's been somewhat slow, but it, it did. He has taken on the, 
going from no, it was kind of about, I knew about the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And if you're listening and you're like, I would love to have that joy. I would love to have that experience. Then I would suggest um, looking around maybe next Sunday or in your community um, faith that look for someone where you see that or you know their heart and they have that kind of intimacy with the Holy Spirit and just say, hey, would you meet with me once once a week, once, mm-hmm. once a month? I mean, I would start somewhere because for me, it was coming to the Wednesday night group out of a place of I'm not getting filled anywhere in my life. I'm pouring mm-hmm. out, pouring out, pouring out, pouring out. And I, I just need a place where I can just be and no one's expecting anything out of me. It's just me and God and people, but we're not talking to each other. We're just talking to God. And then I go there and I hear Amanda praying and I hear our friend Chris praying and, you know, our friend Paige. And it's just like, and Curry, and I'm just, by witnessing how they're experiencing God, it encourages me to, like you said, give it a try myself mm-hmm. to the point where I can have that time with God in my home on my own. Um, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's pretty great it, to be like that with God. It it really, it really <laughs> is. And I will tell you, I think it looks unique Yeah, for each person. Yeah. Um, I, I can not say this or encourage you en- enough in this, that, that hit the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of God is exactly what it says in scripture. Mm. And so when you are listening to him, there are other things that you can hear other than him. Mm. You can see, you can hear yourself, words, you know, thoughts, thoughts of your yeah. own. Yeah. And then you can also hear lies from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And one way that you can always know whether it's him or not is does it does it create in you the fruit of the spirit because god does not speak in shame or guilt yeah. period yeah yeah that's good that is and really good and so yes if you're sitting there and you're hearing things about should the mm. word should if should is attached to anything yeah it's not it's not from him it's just yeah. not yeah and so his words bring life. His mm. words bring joy. Do they bring easiness? No. And is does it mean you're always happy? No. Right. Jo- joy is completely outside of circumstance. Outside of circumstances. That's your and dad. That's your dad, right? Outside right, of circumstances. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so when when we want to focus on circumstances, and I've gotten gotten trapped in this many times of, okay, if my circumstances will just change, right. if when my kids are just older, when my, when, when my husband is blank, when my life is blank, when the job is blank, yeah. then, then I'm trapped in a lie of circumstances mm. and God's joy is outside of that. And he wants to bring joy into those places. So good. I love it. 
I think that's what we'll call this joy outside of circumstances. That's, that's what this is. That's, Oh, Amanda, I I have to, I have to go and I don't want to, I have to go pick up kids from school, but I want to keep talking. And I just am praying everyone listening that you can find Amanda's in your life and that you can have, um, community that is seeking, uh, the heart of God and, um, helping you pursue his will over yours. Thank you, Amanda, for taking time all this time. Absolutely. I love it. Thank awesome. you, Heather, so much. And, oh, we didn't even you. say we didn't say the name of the movie that you're doing. Oh, the, the movie is called The Luckiest Man. Yeah. Um, he titled it himself because he is the proclaim self-proclaiming luckiest man in the world. Love it. And um the movie uh opens October twenty second. You can go to Eventbrite and just uh, in Dallas. That's just in Dallas. That's it. I'm sorry. Yes, that is just in Dallas. Um, it, it hopefully it won't stay in Dallas. Yeah, but that is where it is now. And then a book will be coming out. Um, in the next few months. That's exciting. Yes. All right. Well, everyone, keep your eyes out for that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All Anna, right. thank you. Thank you for thank you, Heather. who you are and for leaning into God and for the impact you're making. For those girls and for our church and everything. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right. Adios. You take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping Him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and He is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.